0: Welcome to Rangers Blue Line, covering the blue shirts from the SNY studios. Here's your host, Brian Compton. The Rangers season ends with a 4 2 loss to the Ottawa Senators in Game 6 at the Garden Tuesday night. Welcome to the show. Brian Compton and Adam Rodder here with you. I'll be joined by Brett Sergalis from the New York Post in just a few minutes. What's up, Adam?
1: Oh, uh, everything's just swell today, Brian.
0: Very, very perplexing, Adam. You look at the effort they gave last night. It looked like a, a Tuesday night in October, rather than a, a team that had its season on the line.
1: Until the third period, when all of a yep. sudden it just all of a sudden it seemed like they're like, "Oh wait, we have 20 minutes left to try and extend the season." It was it was a strange game, and it was just disappointing, perplexing, whatever you want to say. It was just weird to see how they came out, and then how they just you know went 180 and went all out trying to tie it in the third
0: yeah and a lot of I mean the blame goes team-wide it really does other than Hank who did his best there in the first period to keep it a game the save on uh, on Carlson was just off the charts and the Pocheck on stone prior to that but uh just no no urgency whatsoever particularly guys the same guys that I've been bashing week in and week out Kreider, Miller I thought Hayes was better But Kreider is the guy in particular for me that is just magnum because he decides to turn it on in the third period. But where was that effort for the last three weeks?
1: Exactly. I kept, I was writing after the game, you know, third period Chris Kreider was great. Third period Chris Kreider is who the Rangers needed. Third period Chris Kreider is who needs to be regular Chris Kreider. And there needs, he needs to figure out what happened because. He's normal—like uh, like we've talked about in past episodes, normally it's inconsistent regular season, and then he's good in the playoffs, and it was the opposite right. this year. And in the, th- in the third period, you just saw, like, oh, if they had this guy going—like, at that point, if you have third period Chris Kreider going all the time, you then have a legit, in my opinion, Stanley Cup contender, because there's one other guy in the league who does that, and it's Ovechkin, who's that big and that fast and can make that big of an impact.
0: And it's both ends of the ice with this guy Adam because you know, forget the lack of, of quality scoring chances that he generated over the past couple of weeks here. But last night with the with Carlson's goal following Bobby Ryan into the corner essentially while leaving Carlson alone in the left circle, I mean they teach you this stuff in Pee Wee. Where was he going? It looked like he, they were
1: like working together on, like, a a bank robbery or something. It was like, all right, I'm going to go here, you go there, and no one will suspect that we're working together. And it was just mind-boggling. And that and Nick Holden just, like, he had the best seat in the world for the, the Hoffman goal. Like, you know, how much did that seat cost him on the ice to just stand there and watch?
0: Brutal. Really brutal. And you have to think, given the lack of effort early in the game, Adam, that, you know, with everybody pumping the Rangers' tires, oh, They've won 10 of their past 11 elimination games at MSG. Everything's fine. They've been the better team over the course of the first five games, which is true. I mean, the Senators had the lead for, what, 13 minutes over the first five games? So, yeah, the Rangers, for a good chunk of this series, were the better team. But they forgot to play at the end of the day. They forgot to show up. uh, And the Senators clearly remembered that they had a 3-2 series lead and could knock this team out.
1: Yeah, it was just I kept the – I just kept expecting it to be game 3 all over again with the Rangers coming out hard getting the early goal and Otto just kind of being like okay tonight's not going to be our night we'll see it game 7 and you know that push came in the 3rd but once once when when Zibanejad scored I kind of thought that the Rangers were going to tie the game I felt like yeah. all right this is going to it's going to be one of those games the For once, Ottawa's going to be the team that blows the two-goal lead, which will be nice, not the Rangers. And then Carlson scored right after, and it was just like, oh boy, this has 3-2 loss written all over it with them getting one early in the third, and that's what happened. And then they never really, you know, came through.
0: Yeah, Adam, I just got the sense that when Carlson scored, the game was over. I know Kreider scores 53 seconds there into the third period, but for me... Uh, It was just a case of of, of too little too late. It goes back to that first period. You cannot show up in that first period the way that the Rangers did.
1: And more importantly than that, you can't waste six minutes of power play time, especially especially that double minor, which had, you know, that was a Brassard on Zuccarello double minor that had all of the makings of that was the turning point in the game. Brassard ends up helping the Rangers win. And they just didn't do anything. And that first power play, they just kept passing the puck backwards. They didn't get into the zone for 40 seconds. It was just, they just, there was something off in the first period. I I don't know what it was. They were better in the second. They were certainly better in the third. And, you know, it was just, they didn't play with the urgency that, you know, their hair was on fire until the third period.
0: (laughs) Let's talk. Let's talk some positives here before I get to Brett. Uh, Lundqvist was a guy that I was talking about all year long. He's going to be 35 when the playoffs roll around. Who knows how good he's going to be? He was the one guy who was good throughout. He really was. Uh, yeah, I, I go back to that question that when I asked Dan Girardi during the Canadian series, we were surprised at how good he's played uh, and the debts there that I got from Dan? So uh, clearly the teammates still believed and it showed because Lunquist was great. He really was.
1: He, you know, the numbers may not look great, but he was great. And you could tell that, you know, his intensity level was at the right place because yep. when. Uh when Ottawa scored the first goal, he just kinda like swept the pucket, looked around like, What are you guys doing here? Like, come on, let's get going. Everyone get together here. We're trying to force a game seven here. And you know, he was good and ultimately, you know, he can't do it alone. This is the same story that comes with the Rangers. Since the lockout, for, for most seasons, it's Henrik's there. He's providing the, the Rangers with a chance to win. But it's the rest of the team, you know, who also need to play well. Uh, they're the ones who are not holding up their end of the bargain.
0: Yeah, it's sad because clearly time is, is starting to run out here. It didn't show in his play over these uh, two playoff series. But at some point, his game is going to decline. We started to see it a little bit during the regular season. He was kind of inconsistent. There was that one stretch, uh, four or five straight games where he sat and Ranta played. So uh, they've got to find the right mix. And some of these younger guys, Adam Kreider, Miller, Hayes, There's just no consistency there that's going to help Hank win that elusive Stanley Cup.
1: No, and I think that at this point in time, they might—I don't think that they're going to change systems, but with Longfist the way he is, it almost seems like you have to play defense in front of him. you got to go back to that Tortorella (laughs) defense and just try and win, because there are too many guys blowing the zone to try and get in ahead of the Senators' uh, trap that, you know, guys are being left open, guys are— missing assignments. And, you know, it's just it's too much to rely on Henrik at 35 to be the Henrik that he was 10 years ago. You know, he was that guy at times against Montreal. But, you know, to expect him to do that over four rounds, you know, it would seem like it was only a matter of time that if they couldn't get the defense together, they were going to be out because Henrik couldn't stop everything.
0: Brendan Smith, another guy who was really good. He wasn't good last night, I have to say that. He had a really bad night. The timing stunk for sure, but uh, I don't think the Rangers even made it th- make it this far without without that ac- acquisition of Brendan Smith.
1: I agree. I had that same feeling last night. Like, oh boy, Brendan Smith picked a bad time to you know, yeah. be, I guess, the Brendan Smith people thought that he was at, yeah. at times in Detroit. But overall, he was good. I think that the Rangers are going to have to find a way to keep him. Whether that's buying other guys out or getting Kevin Shattenkirk to sign for $50, I don't know. But uh, it seems like he's too important. He plays with an edge. He's physical, and that's something that, you know, obviously the Rangers were hoping Dylan McIlrath would have provided at a much cheaper cost last year. But, you know, that didn't work out, and now he's the only guy who can throw a hit.
0: And the emergence of Brady Shea, he really burst onto the scene this year. He was outstanding really from start to finish. The Rangers have a, a gem here, somebody to build around as the, as these years progress here.
1: And the the one thing with Shea that you have to wonder is, well, is he going to be the second pair or the third pair? Or do you have to move him to the right side to get him more ice time? Because, you know, we saw Elaine Vino spoke all season about uh, and all playoffs about experience and veterans. And, you know, he's going to keep going with Mark Stahl on the left side ahead of Brady Shea, and ultimately that's not really in the Rangers' best interest moving forward. So the Rangers need to either make room for Shea on the left side to get more ice time or shift him to the right officially and let him play with Ryan McDonough there or on the second pair with whoever with Mark Stahl. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't think this blue line is going to look the same. It's going to have a really different look next year, but uh, they've got to figure out if Shea is going to be that right guy n- next to McDonough, like you said, on the first pair. But for me, I'd rather keep him on the left, Adam. I just think that's a better fit uh, as a second pair. Ryan McDonough's not going to be here forever, obviously, at some point. Shea's still a kid, uh, but the Rangers have somebody here that should be here for a long time because he just has all the tools and uh, was poised during the playoffs. I think that's the biggest thing I take away from Brady Shea's season is how poised he was during the the playoffs.
1: And he fits in perfectly with what Elaine Vigneault wants his defenseman to do. He can skate. He can move the puck. We were all impressed with the amount of points he put up. Uh, And, you know, he's he's only going to get better. I don't know if he's ever going to get to Ryan McDonough's status, but, you know, Ryan McDonough is one kind of defenseman, and Brady Shea can be another, and they're both needed if you want to be a team that contends.
0: Brett Sergalis joins me now on the phone. Brett, how are you, pal? I'm good, Brian. How are you doing? Doing all right. Uh, still trying to figure out what the heck happened there over the first 35, 40 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, the Rangers had the, the urgency of a team that was playing on a Tuesday night in November. That was brutal.
2: Yeah, it was it was an odd it was an odd way they came out. You I mean, you really expected them to have a a ton of desperation and you know they've they've been in that situation so many times and they've and they've found a way to win and they and it was just weird last night on Tuesday. It just didn't it just didn't make a lot of sense the way they came out and you know, they got what they deserved.
0: And it's the same guys, Brett. Kreider, Miller, Hayes, I thought was better. But I want to talk about Kreider in particular because this is maddening. It's got to be driving A.V. crazy because you see him in the third period. He's all over the place. He's trying to make plays using his speed and his size to his advantage. But he was awful the first two periods, particularly on the Carlson goal. Where is he going?
2: Yeah, you know – the, Chris is Chris is definitely ma- he's manning to watch on a nightly basis. Really, yeah. I mean, it's he, he the guy obviously has so much talent. He's so fast. He's so strong. And I think where there's a detriment here is that he's he's almost too smart for his own for his own well being. You know, he gets inside his head a lot, and he and he, he thinks about situations, and he thinks about. What he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do, and then he doesn't play instinctively, you know. And, and when he lets it, when he lets it rip, like he did in the third period, you know, you see that talent come out. I, and and the thing that that is bothersome too is that when you see the Senators come out and try to push these people around, you know, like and they then they go up their glass and they and they're hacking people left and right. And Taurus was swinging his stick like a crazy man, you know. Like where where's Kreider? <laughs> He can right. pick up one of these guys and throw them out of the building. You know, like, I don't understand why he's not more aggressive. And he'll say he wants to be, you know, and and, and he wants to play that game. But you don't really see it out of him. When he's in front, he kind of skates away from people. You know, there, there might be missing that little bit of, of nastiness that kind of every hockey player needs, like that intrinsic... Uh, mean streak—that kind of, uh, you know, drop drop the cerebral and and just go out and and be hard to play against and be mean. And I don't know how much of that exists in Chris, unless he kind of changes. So it's uh, he's an interesting case because you know you know the sky's the limit with him, but it's going to be curious to see what happens to him going forward.
0: Do you get the sense at all that these guys were just reading what everybody was writing, essentially, that, oh, you know, the Senators only had the lead for 13 minutes through five games and the Rangers never lose elimination games at home? It yeah. kind of just got <laughs> you know, into their I heads. I don't think they were reading
2: it, but <laughs> I, they know they knew the situation. You know, right. they they were confident in how they were playing and they were confident in their experience. Like, there, there's no question about that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if they – Bought into it so much, and that's why they, you know, that's why they came out the way they did. It, it's hard to explain. I don't think they really understand it either. I don't think they were complacent being down three-two, you know. That's but right. I think they were confident in the way they had played in Ottawa. But you know, just like McDonough said last night uh, on Tuesday, it, it was—it's he, he, there's never been a series like this where they where they blow. Leads late where yeah. in such crucial moments they play so bad it was a real anomaly for for this group um and you know they they just let it slip away and it was it was weird to see so i don't know how it's going to affect them going forward but i'd imagine that um there's a lot of there's a lot of things going through jeff Gordon's mind right now
0: and the blown leads are more the guys in front of Hank than Hank himself Lunquist was was really good for the majority of this postseason right yeah
2: you know and he had his good games and his bad games yeah you know I mean he didn't play great in game two you know when right. they, I mean they had three separate two goal leads and he didn't play great there's no yeah. question about it and, and you know the guys carried this team for over a decade you know they yeah. the reason they have won so many playoff series and so many postseason games is largely because of him being absolutely outstanding. So there, he does get a, a a big enough leash here to, you know, he's allowed to not be absolutely perfect every game. Um, but, yeah, you know, there were good games and bad games, and, that, and, and, and the blown leads were not his fault. But, you know, if he does make that extra save, like he always <laughs> says he wants to do, you know, then one of them is not a blown lead, you know, and then one of them holds on, so... You know, as much as the blame goes in front of him, you know, it it can't escape him either. It can't.
0: We saw some decline in his game over the course of the regular season. I was talking to Adam about this before he came on. There was that one stretch, four or five games, where he sat, Ronta started night after night. Has the window closed? Has time run out on the chance for Lundquist to win a Stanley Cup? <laughs> the
2: time of year when everybody has windows open and opening and closing, right? right? Um right. No. No, the window hasn't closed. And he, okay. and he said it um, to my colleague Larry Brooks the other day where he doesn't think this, win, this team, is the era's over. You know, he, mm-hmm. he thought that even if they don't win this year, it's not over. Um, and I agree with him. You know, but this, it's, it can't be blueprinted the same way it was. They can't rely yeah. on him you know, to stop 45 of 46 shots every night. Um, that, that can't be the way they win. You know he needs to. They need to have guys in front of him play a lot better. They can't rely on him every single night to do that. So I, I don't. I don't think the window's closing, but I think the team has to be a lot different, has to in order to get better and to be a real contender again.
0: What's the first major change if you see a major change this summer? What do you think it's going to be?
2: You know, I've been thinking about it, and it's hard to say because you don't. When the season's not over, you want to see how things kind of play out, um, yeah. see the landscape of things. But you know, the first thing Jeff has to think about is the is the defense and what he's going to do if he's going to, you know, if he's going to buy one of those guys out, if he's going to buy Girardi or Stahl out. Um, yeah. I think Girardi would be the most likely because um, his contract's one year shorter, which means it's two years less in the buyout process, two years less of a cap hit, of dead space. Um, but, you know, that's a really hard decision to make. Dan right. has been a, a a huge contributor to this team for a long time. So that, that's a tough decision to make for him. And then, you know, who's going to replace him? Yeah, that's that's yeah. a big question, too. They have, you know, a couple guys in, in the minors that they like, but, you know, who's going to replace him? Who's who's going to eat those minutes? Um I think that's the first place he's going to look. And then he's got to entertain ideas up front. You know, I mean, um, where does Derek Stepan fit in the situation going right. forward? You know, I mean, there is a, there's a lot of things there. How much money do you want to give Mika Zibonijada as a restricted free agent? You know, there's yeah. there's a couple of things he's got to think about, and he's got to gauge the landscape in terms of what might be available. Um, but I do think the place he has to start is looking on the back end and what, what he wants to do there.
0: JT Miller was probably their best forward the first three or four months of the season. No goals in 12 games in in these playoffs, Brett. What the heck has happened to JT Miller?
2: Yeah, JT, you know, the thing in the... His game is always... He's always towing that line of risk-reward, right? He's always trying to make really skilled plays, um, and that gets him in trouble because he turns it over and it ends up in the back of the net. And during the regular season when there's less pressure, you know, he, he makes those plays and he can pull them off. And, and, you know, when teams aren't defending as tightly, it's a little bit easier for him to make those plays. Um, but in the postseason, you know, he knows, he's very aware that, that uh, one misplay can lose you a playoff series. Uh, yeah. And that's something that's driven into him by the coaching staff as well. So I felt that he was a little hesitant, in the in the playoffs because because of that fact because his game is is so up and down it can be so good and so and so bad really you know I mean it, and whenever you ask Vigneault about it he would always say JT's a very effective player when he plays high percentage hockey you yeah. know but that's not really his nature um, right. so it just happened that this postseason you know he. He tried to play high percentage hockey, and that kind of took away his game. So it's hard to say what he's—you know—what's the solution there? You know, do you let him be risky to try to make plays, or do you, or do you turn him into, you know, kind of a shell of himself, or, or does he evolve as a player and learn how to make those decisions—the correct, the correct reads and the correct, correct decisions—and and make the plays only when they're there, and make the smart plays when they need to be. I mean, that would be the ideal situation for him. Uh, there's no question that, you know, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of heart. Uh, he's a strong, strong player. He really wants to win, and he's got a ton of talent. So uh, they need they need JT, to, you know, to to figure it out. As you know, to hearken back to one of Vigneault's favorite phrases.
0: <laughs> Last one before I let you go, Brett. Did, did these Rangers overachieve, underachieve, or was this about what you expected?
2: I, you know, it was a weird year, Brian. Yeah, it really know, was
0: because. Yep.
2: They, it was up and down the whole year. It was very inconsistent. You know, you, you had no idea what to expect going into the season. Yeah, I don't. And and they admitted in the locker room that they didn't really know what to expect. And then they get out to that great start, right? The Thirteen and four, and it's like, wow, okay, these guys are scoring you know, four, five or six goals, goals every night. You know, they looked great. Yeah. And then yeah. they dipped, and then they came back, and then they dipped. You know, and then they finished this. They finished the year, you know, on a run of eight, eight and four, and it's like, well okay, you know, who are these guys? And then they play, you know, the Canadians, and they have some good games and some bad games, and then they just had too many bad moments against the Senators. So, you know, did they overachieve? I guess this is about where you'd figure they were. Like, I, I, I don't know. I never really considered them a, a high Stanley Cup contender, but you never thought they were actually bad, you know. So I guess this is about where it was, but it was, it was a very uncertain start to the year. And you didn't really know what to expect going into the playoffs. And, you know, so I guess the second round is just about appropriate where they landed.
0: (laughs) Should be an interesting summer for sure. Brett, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right. You got it, Brett. Thanks. Thanks again to Brett Sergalis from the New York Post. You can follow him on Twitter at Brett Sergalis. Adam, I'll ask you this, and then I'll give you my take. Did the Rangers overachieve, underachieve, or about what you expected?
1: I think they overachieved in terms of points, but they kind of finished where I expected them to finish, third in the Metro or in the first uh, wild card spot. And before the year, I kind of thought that this was a team that, especially if they were able to switch brackets, could go to the second round. But And so I'm not totally disappointed with— that part of the season. It's just more of how they ended up losing this second round and blowing all those games that is the really disappointing thing. So overall, like, I think that in general it was probably positive in the sense that you saw good things from VC, you saw a lot of good things from Shea, you hope that, you know, Miller, Hayes, Kreider, continue to go, and then you still have Buchnevich who's still kind of, you know, got all the potential in the world. But at the end of the day, You lose to Ottawa in a series that you were winning five games uh, in the third period.
0: Yeah, that's the thing for me. Uh, They overachieved, in my opinion, just going back to the start of the year. If you remember, I was really concerned about this defense. I didn't think it was young enough or fast enough. Brady Shea kind of saved them in that aspect. And then, of course, the acquisition of of Brendan Smith at the deadline. Uh, But then you watch this series and the games that they just tossed away, the way that they did, the six-on-five goals, Uh, The power play stunk again, and then to come out the way they did last night was baffling to me, Uh, but player for player, when you compare them to the upper echelon teams in this conference, Pittsburgh, Washington, uh, they just were never going to win the Stanley Cup, but having said that, I didn't think that they would be the offensive juggernaut that they were the first three months or so, Uh, just a really weird year, like Brett said, I have to agree with him there, Uh, but at the end of the day, I think they overachieved.
1: Yeah, it's it like you guys were saying. It's a weird year because I definitely didn't expect them to just come out scoring like crazy. And I think I was probably the one saying that it was unsustainable. That certainly sounds like something I would say. Uh, And just you know, it's just a strange thing. And you take the positives of this year, and then you look at then you look at uh, you know next year, and you put everything in context with Henrik. And it's just kind of like, well, where is the organization going? You know, are they going to continue to build with the young guys? Are they going to try and win now for Henrik? Or is it someplace in the middle, which is how you end up with a season like this year where you really aren't sure what to make of it?
0: Yeah, we're going to do a season wrap-up show next week, so make sure you check that out. A lot of interesting decisions need to be made by Jeff Gordon. Does he buy out Dan Girardi or Mark Stahl? I would expect at least one of them to be bought out, like Brett said. What happens up front? Does a guy like Derek Stepan possibly get traded? Uh, They have to find dollars for Mika Sabinajad for a long-term contract. He's a restricted free agent now. So a lot of decisions. We'll get into that next week. Adam, good season. We'll have one more to do. Should be a lot of fun. Thanks again. Thanks again to Brett Sergalis. We'll see you next week. This has been Rangers Blue Line, part of the SNY.TV audio network.